Well, we are glad you're here today. Hey, I'm doing a series called I Love My Church, and it's a part of a broader theme here in the month of January, encouraging people to draw closer to God in our spiritual life. It's based on James chapter 4, James 4 verse 8, and it's a profound scripture if you just pause to think about it. They're going to put it on the screen, and I want you to say this with me. It's a promise from God. Now, think about this. The all-powerful, all-knowing God, omniscient, God knows everything. He's all-powerful. And the promise is this, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Can you say that with me? Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Wow, what a powerful, powerful thought. Well, that's what we're hoping is happening in January, that you are following along and taking steps uh, to learn how to draw close to God. You see, that's kind of our number one mission as a church, obviously, is to help people in their spiritual life. One of the ways we draw close to God, as we saw last week's message, was through our local church. The church should help you in your spiritual life. It shouldn't be just, you know, an obligation or a duty or a tradition or a liturgy, but your church should have a vital impact in your spiritual growth and relationship to Christ. Well, in this local church, what I want to do in this series is talk very practically about who we are and what we do. Now, how many know every church in the world should have the message that Jesus, the mission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, which was to go into all the world and make what? Make disciples of all people. A disciple is a committed follower of Christ. So the hope and our hope as a church is, is that wherever you are in your spiritual life today, you will begin to grow further. If you're in elementary school, we want to see you go to junior high and high school. If you're in high school as a Christian, go to college. If you already come here in college, get a master's, get a doctorate degree. But growing spiritually in Christ is our goal. And we say that way that we make disciples very deliberately, very strategically. It's by connecting people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Can you say that with me? Maybe even use your fingers. We connect people to God, friends, ministry, and the world. Now, very deliberate, connecting to God, number one, greatest commandment of all, love the Lord with all your heart. So we've got some things that I'll show you today. Today's message is entitled, Connecting to God. And I'll show you how, what we offer and how you can get great benefit uh, uh, from relationship in this local church Connecting to friends, I'll talk about next week, but basically it's this. I don't know if you have the right people in your world, you're going up spiritually. If you have the wrong people in your world, you're either going to stay the same or you're going to go down. We'll talk about how to find these right people next week. Connecting to ministry, that is uh, serving the Lord. It's what God has uniquely called you to do. How many know God has given all of us gifts? He's given us all of us passions. We all have desires. We all have, you know, ways that we serve the Lord that are very meaningful to us. Well, how many know that's what you're going to answer to before God on Judgment Day? So we want to help you be the person God's called you to be and do what God's called you to do. And lastly, connecting to the world simply means everybody in this world needs a Savior. Come on, and that's our job as Christians, to bring the Savior to all people. So that's what Church on the Rock is about. But I want to give you uh, just three real simple goals that I'm going to try my best to keep alive this whole year. Uh, if you were to go to the gym shortly after the holidays and show up and say, Hey, can you do anything with this blob of a body? And they'd look at you a second and said, I can. If you'll give me 45 minutes three or four times a week, if you'll change your diet, if you'll cut out this, this, and this, and if you'll limit your number of calories, I guarantee in 60 days I can turn the blob into a beast. 
Because someone that knows what they're talking about has put you on a deliberate pathway that's going to do things that will help you. Now, they're going to put this on the screen. It's very doable. You're going to see this around a lot. But I'm going to encourage you in 2014, if you'll just commit to these three simple things. Number one is 15 minutes a day with God. I'm going to talk about that today. It is absolutely number one. Number two is weekend service plus one. That's the portion, that's what the part that a weekend church service, a worship service plays in your spiritual life. I'll tell you what the plus one is in the coming weeks. And the lastly, uh, a pack a week. Now, that's not cigarettes, okay? But uh, it has something to do with you reaching out to people uh, in, in need of Christ. But those are very three simple goals. We'll talk about them a lot. But this morning, again, I want to focus on connecting to God. So take a peek in your Bibles, Acts chapter 9, Acts 9, and I want to make this statement, a statement that I was clueless on when I was raised. Uh, Acts chapter 9 says, uh, what we'll talk about is, is this basic premise, is that we can know God in a personal way. Now, let me say this again, because I, I did not realize as a boy growing up that I could know God. Now, I went to a Methodist church, grateful for it, learned about the Bible, learned John 3, 16. But I just thought, kind of thought Christianity was about doing more good than bad. I thought Christianity was about going to church some and, you know, kind of all good dogs go to heaven kind of thing. I didn't realize that God wanted to have a personal relationship with me. I didn't realize that when Jesus said, my heavenly Father that it implied an intimate relationship. And the first thing I want to tell you today is, is God, uh, knowing Him, is, is different than just going to church. Knowing God is different than just religious ritual, routine, liturgy. But knowing God, it, it has to do something with who we are, deep in our hearts, our spirit. The Bible says we're a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. It's kind of complicated all in there, but I can say this. The real you, the one who you really are, God wants to know you, and He wants to be known by you. He wants you to hear His voice. And I don't mean audible voices in the middle of the night. I don't mean mysticism or, you know, hairs on your arm. But I, I just mean knowing in the reality that God is real and God is there. I've been married 30 years, and, and, and I don't have to think many times of what my wife would like to do. I just kind of know because I know her, and she knows me. So let's look at a scripture here. It starts with a man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He's going to be renamed in the Bible to Paul, the greatest apostle the world has ever known. But at this particular stage of the game, he's very religious, but he does not know Christ. And how many know you can know about God and not know Him? Paul is one of the most religious people in the Bible. If you were to read his religious pedigree, it's as if he was the who's who in the Jewish religion. He'd been to all the right schools. He was trained. He'd read all the right books. He was doing the right things, and actually he thought he was doing God a service when he was putting Christians in jail because they were a threat to Judaism. But notice what happened. He's going about doing this crazy thing, and aren't you glad that God can take us right in the middle of messing up and turn us into something really good? Well, that's what he did to this man, named Saul, uh, this man named Saul. He knocked him off his horse. Literally, he was blinded by a light. And it, this light blinded him, and he heard a voice. And here was his response to this voice he heard. He said, who are you? Now, isn't this interesting? He's asking God who, are, who you are. Who are you? I know about you, but I don't know you. Who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now think about this just a minute because this could be you today in this room. I know at one time in my life it was me. I went to church some, I read my Bible some, I prayed in an emergency, but I didn't know God. Here we've got a deeply religious man that had no idea who Jesus was. 
He had religion, but no relationship with God. He knew about God, but he didn't know him. And I fear today in, in American Christianity, largely, there are people that are going to church. There are people that maybe read their Bible sometimes, that pray in a crisis, that give a little money, that maybe have a heart for poor people and help on Thanksgiving or Christmas, doing all the right things, but yet somehow in their hearts, they've not met the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. God can be knowable, and He's knowable through Christ. Now, if we jumped ahead to Philippians 3, Paul, after his conversion now, he's, he has had a dramatic change in his life, but he still wants to know God. This is important. Paul, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, in this letter, he has once again given his religious pedigree, talked about all his accomplishments in Judaism, and here's what he says to that. He said, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing uh, worth of Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. In other words, all that I found in religion is worth nothing. I count it as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Look what he says in verse 10. Verse 10, he says, that I may know him. He's talking about a deeper, life-changing way. And the power of his resurrection that I might share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. In other words, I somehow will know you as I experience the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I will somehow know you as I go through a great trial in my life as I suffer, that I will be more aware of who you are, and the great longing of his life was to know God. Not just know about him, but to know him. And let me illustrate it this way. How many know that uh, when you meet a person you know a lot less about them than you do when you stay with them for a period of time. I remember the first time I met my wife. Actually, I heard about her. I was in California. I was in the Navy, and I had started going to her dad's church. And uh, as I was, had been accepted in the church, uh, different ladies began telling me, you need to meet Linnell. Now, she was on the missions field at the time with YWAM. I married a, I married a missionary. You need to meet this girl. And uh, I was all for meeting girls. And... Uh, Anyway, she came to church, and man, she looked good. She, you know, she's a brunette, uh, uh, Italian girl, spunky for Jesus, loved Jesus, I mean, carried her Bible. She even played the violin, had a, had a uh, what do you call it, little uh, dummies that talk. And she just did all sorts of things to, to, to be witness for Christ. And I was attracted to her. And I can remember that I was scheming and trying to find a way to get to know her a little better. So uh, in, in last service, I said that she, uh, she begged me to teach a kid's church with her. And she corrected me and said, no, you begged me. So I fibbed in last service. But since she's not here this service, I can say this. My wife begged me to teach that class with her. Anyway, we got in there, and I can remember going to her house, meeting her family, and we'd eat, and then we'd study, and uh, we liked each other. And before we knew it, uh, she would come to the base, and we had a, uh, it was right by San Francisco Bay. We'd have a picnic and go out there. And lo and behold is, the longer we were together, the more we knew about each other. But we, we had to spend time with each other to know each other. It, see, it wasn't enough just to have a picture on the wall. It, just like it's not enough to have a Bible under your arm. We had to spend time together. We had to talk. We had to ask each other questions. We had to have some disagreements and things. But lo and behold, I was so attracted to her that I married her. But this past year, as Linnell battled breast cancer, I learned more about her. I began to know her in a deeper, more different way. Uh, how many know everybody can believe in God when life's going great? 
And we've had a really good life. You know, our kids have all been healthy. Uh, you know, no, no drugs, no pregnancies, all, no crazy things. We've all been healthy up to that point. Most of our problems were with church. <laughs> but but, but uh, we were, life was good. And then she was diagnosed with the unthinkable of breast cancer. But I'll tell you what, I observed her this past year, and I know my wife in a different way. When I, at 4 o'clock in the morning, I reach over, nobody's there, and I go in the living room, and uh, she's not crying because, oh, God, it will be. She's worshiping the Lord, not because she's happy, but she's trying. No, God's an ever-present help in time of trouble, so she's going to take him up on that. And I've watched her take this thing and step on it, so to speak. This Proverbs challenge we're doing is because she did it with our family. So she and I have decided we're going to try to redeem. And if the devil hurts us, we're going to do everything in our power to advance God's kingdom more. And I have seen it in her grow deeper. But what is the result of all this? We know someone as we walk with them and as we walk with them over time. And it is the exact same thing in your relationship with your heavenly father. You see, when you were saved, God gave you His Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing the future. And it is that God consciousness in us that leads us to know more about God through Bible reading, through prayer, through worship, through experiences in life together. But what I want to do now, with that basis, I want to take the next few minutes and share with you three things how our church deliberately and strategically tries to help you do this number one thing, connect to God on an ongoing basis. And there's three things I'm going to give you. They're very practical, very doable, and I promise you it'll help turn you into a buff person. Come on, it'll turn the blob into a buff. And they're very easy. If you'll commit disciplines, we'll see it 15 minutes a day with God, a weekend worship service, and then lastly, a commitment to spiritual growth, which is not accidental. Let's start on it today. I want to start with the first one, a daily time with God. A daily time with God. It is, without a doubt, the most important part of our spiritual life is your daily appointment with God. And, and I use those words, an appointment with God, just like you have an appointment with a doctor, an appointment with a dentist, an appointment with a lawyer or a banker. It's a priority for you to be there because something good is going to happen or you're going to learn something that's there. I do it almost every day of my life. Sometimes I miss it, but if I miss it, I get right back up the next day because it's important to me. Sometimes it's a little bit shorter. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. Oftentimes it's 30 or 45 minutes. But I take private individual time. I don't want to answer text messages. I don't want to talk on the phone. I just want to set myself apart to be with the Lord. Uh, actually, that was the number one, as you'll see, the number one goal is this thing called 15 minutes a day with God. And I want to tell you just what I do in these 15 minutes with God. There's three things that are going on. Number one, I've got my Bible. I mean, you know, the written word is the word of God, and we can learn what God says through it. And, and, and it's not just information about God, but it's some things that are quickened. They're made alive. They're a rhema word. The secondly, uh, well, let's, let's start. The, the second thing I do is I worship with thanksgiving. And then lastly, I do some praying. And let me just, if I can, step back in with me in my Friday time that I had with God. Uh, I woke up last Friday morning about 5.30. I couldn't go back to sleep, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to come down to church. Friday's my big study day. Uh, I like quiet time when nobody's here. So I got to church early, and I opened my Bible, and we were Proverbs 17, the Proverbs challenge. And several verses kind of stood out to me. It was almost as if there was a flashlight that shined on these verses. It was somehow speaking to me at a, at a higher level than just knowledge. Um, one verse said that peace in my home is more important than money. And that helped me because just like you, I like things in life. Uh, uh, I, I do. 
But I, I, I don't want to like things more than I like God. And I don't want my love for things, come on, or my, what I do with money to cause tension in my home. God told me that. The secondly, about forgiving people who offended me. Well, I knew that, but it's, still it kind of rang true to me. And the last one, uh, it, it said, wise people receive correction. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like anybody correcting me. How about, how about you? No, who loves to be corrected? Let me see your hand here. Come on. Nobody does. It's just like a little kid when you're about to get a little spanking there. You know, that kid is just, no, 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 no. Well, when somebody wants to correct you, I don't care if it's your supervisor, your spouse, or whoever it is, it's just not something that, you know, you want. But it's a good thing. The Bible says wise people because if you'll allow it to come into your life, you'll be a better person. Well, that was my Bible reading. I made my way in the sanctuary, and I was just walking around the front of the altar, and before a word came out of my mouth, this thought came to my mind. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit because I was reminded of the fact that I was offended against someone. Somebody had done something to me and it bothered me. And uh, I tend to be a passive aggressive, so you hurt me, I tend to withdraw from you. And uh, I was convicted that what I was doing was wrong. Any business who it was? It's probably you. <laughs> no, it wasn't you, it's the person behind you, so please don't dare look, they'll feel bad. But, but, but I was, and, and you know what I did? I, I, I dealt with it. I said, I didn't go into this long spiel of why I was, had a right to be offended. I just said, you're right, Lord. I want to forgive them, and I want to bless them, and I want to pray that you do good to their life. See, I was ready to get to my prayer, but the Holy Spirit was like leading me to clear up some trash in my life. Next thing that came to my mind was a sin I'd committed yesterday. Can I tell you that I... No, I'm not going to tell you what it was. <laughs> your business what it was. It wouldn't have ended me up on the front page of the newspaper, but in my heart, I knew it was wrong. And let me tell you the feeling I had. The feeling I had was I don't deserve to be standing up here. I deserve to be kind of going towards the back. Can I tell you that's the devil? The Bible tells us in the midst of our problems and struggles, in the midst of our sin, Hebrews says we're to come boldly to the throne of grace, to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. See, I've stored up the Scripture in my mind. I know the voice of the Lord, and I know the feelings of condemnation that the devil brings. To my mind was brought 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sin, God is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from part of my unrighteousness. No, all of my unrighteousness. But see, I don't feel that because this has been maybe the hundredth time or the thousandth, thousandth time that I've brought this thing to God. The Bible doesn't say, I'll forgive you until. Come on. As we come to God, God washes us. Well, then I was ready to pray and dialogue with God. My prayer, what I do is I pray the Lord's Prayer. And I don't pray it just as a rote memory, but what I use, I use each portion of the prayer as a stepping stone. And it seems like when I'm praying for His kingdom to come and His will to be done, I'm praying about Linnell's healing. I'm praying about our church. I'm praying about you, a million different things. And, and when I pray against the evil one, and just the different parts are stepping stones for me. But I, I related to God. And then I had some anxiety that I was dealing with. And I just, I was right there. And I said, Lord, I don't want to carry this into the weekend. Would you just take this burden from my life? And I want to tell you what. I felt closer to God when I left than when I got there because I've taken some time in my life to invest in the number one relationship I have. It's the relationship with my Heavenly Father. And if it, I can get closer to God, guess what? You can too if you'll make the commitment for 15 minutes a day. Come on, give the Lord a good hand on that one. Let me give you another one. Acts chapter 20, and I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, but let me remind you of the value of a weekend worship service. Do you know that what we're doing this morning is the exact same thing that the early church did in the book of Acts? 
The exact same thing. We are coming together on Sunday. We are coming to worship the Lord. We're coming to learn the Bible. And we're coming to be with Christian friends. Now, I know uh, many of us have friends at different levels in the church, in the room. But I want to encourage you, this is the body of Christ. And neat things can happen. But that's why we go. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. It was a pattern of our forefathers. And it said on the first day of the week, that Sunday, the Jewish Sabbath, the last day, Sunday was the first. That's why Christians worship traditionally on Sunday. Uh, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together, Paul talked with them. In other words, he knew there was a meeting of the believers, and he came as an apostle to instruct them. 1 Corinthians 16, again, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside so there be no collections when I come. In other words, they were raising a special offering for the famine-stricken Jerusalem, and he's basically saying, look, when you come to church, I want you to bring, bring your tithe, bring your offering. We're going to save it so that when I come by, there won't have to be begging, pleading, and screaming, but we're prepared to help the saints in Jerusalem. So they're coming together when they worship. Now, I'll tell you something about myself. I go to the dentist regularly because I want somebody to take care of my teeth. I mean, I brush my teeth regularly. I use floss. But still, there's things that are growing in my mouth that I may not be aware that's there that a dentist is trained to find out. I care about my teeth, so I'm going to go to the dentist regularly. I care about my car, so I'm going to take it in when the little sticker says the oil needs to be changed because I don't want to go to the car dealer when my engine blows up. Come on. I don't want to have to replace it early because it was running on, you know, sludge rather than oil. And I do that. I do that because I I, I give regular maintenance to my car because I want my car to run right. Well, guess what? I also come to weekend worship services because I want to take care of my soul. There's just some things that happen when we come together as the body of Christ. I'll tell you, I, uh, um, uh, I feel closer to God when I worship with you than I do when I worship by myself. I listen to some great praise music, but it's not the same as worshiping with you, the body of Christ. I get a lot from our worship team. I'm encouraged when I see my friends. Now, it takes some time to develop friends, but I'll tell you, if you'll take some time to find the people that are like you here in this church, you'll be encouraged by those people. You'll find people that know you and people that care about you, and you're more than just a number. You're somebody that matters. Come on. And then when your life slips a little bit, you've got a friend that's in your world, someone that will care about you. I even like the preacher. He does a pretty good job around here. I come listen to him too as well. You missed a really good time to say amen then. But how about this morning? How about if, if, if those were legitimate words of knowledge and, and you were a grieving person and you had been struggling with grief for a long time and you just felt like giving up, you felt like quitting, like God was just not helping you because this huge void in your life and you come to church and you hear somebody say something and you know it's the Lord exactly dealing with what's going on in your life. Can I tell you what? That would not have happened at home if you'd have been home watching reruns of Seinfeld. I mean, it just would not have happened, but it can happen in the house of God. Last Wednesday night, we showed that Billy Graham special, The Cross. I mean, I, I don't know if there was a dry eye in the house, but there was a testimony about a girl, and, and she said basically her life was going nowhere. She was empty inside. She was lonely. She was hurting. And uh, she said she was going to commit suicide. She didn't see any hope in life. Well, her grandmother forced her to go to church. Everybody say, thank God for Grandma. Forced her to go to church. And she came, and she said, I sat on the back. I folded my arms. I hated everybody, especially the preacher. But the first thing that came out of his mouth, she said, and she said, I'll never forget it, was she said, there's, some, there's a spirit of suicide in this room. 
And she said, the hairs on my arms stood up. I just felt like maybe God was talking to me. And when the service was over, she said, an older man came up to me and told me that God cared about my life, that where I was going was a path of destruction, and God had good plan for me. And her life was turned around, come on, because she was in a place. She was in a place, a worship place, a place where the Spirit of the Lord was, was welcomed and in some respects amplified as we gather together. But you know what? Going to church is a habit, and it's a good habit, but sometimes we get out of the habit. Uh, Hebrews 10, it happened in the New Testament as well. Hebrews 10, 25. We're told in the Bible not to neglect what? Don't neglect meeting together. And it's his next phrase that caught my eye, as is the habit of some. In other words, some believers have dropped out of the gathering. Some believers have dropped out of what we call church. Now, they're still Christians. They're still going to heaven. But for whatever reason, they have dropped out of the body of Christ, dropped out of the local assembly. And basically, Paul says, you need to encourage one another, and you need to do it all the more as you see the day of Christ's return drawing near. In other words, if Jesus was expected to come back 2,000 years ago, couldn't you say that he's much closer today than he was then? And we want to be ready. And one way we're ready is not just what we receive from one another, but it could it be that some of the people that had dropped out were the very ones that could encourage the rest of us, and we need them to be there, and something's missing when you're not there. So, listen, I want to encourage you. I know sometimes work in, interferes with going to church. If I'm on vacation, you won't see me. But I'll tell you what, as long as my life is in somewhat of a normal routine, I listen, whether I'm the preacher or not, I'm going to be worshiping with the people of God because something happens in a weekend worship service where I encounter God and I hear things that I just wouldn't hear anywhere else. I hear things about mission, about priority, about service. I sense the Spirit of the Lord. I, I feel the prayers of God's people. I hear something from the Word of God, and it makes me a better Christian, and I believe it'll make you a better Christian too. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. I'm going to close with this last one. So what I'm talking about now are deliberate ways that we try as your local church, this series, I Love My Church, how we try to help you. We try to help you in this 15 minutes a day with God. There's Bible gods in the back of your chair. We're talking about it. We try to help you by, by providing a, a worship experience that's meaningful to you. But also, I want to encourage you this last one about committing to a process of spiritual growth and maturity. How many know when you're saved, it's like you're a baby, and God doesn't want you to stay a baby, but God wants you to grow up. And as we grow, we become productive uh, Bethany, my daughter, is now she's our, our children's director upstairs, and she does the kids' churches. Well, how I many know when kids are little, you pay for everything? Well, now the girl's got a little job going, so she she pays. She you know she said, "Dad, I paid for paid for my own car service the other day," and Dad said, "Ooh, praise the Lord! I just got a raise." <laughs> well, I, I don't expect my seven-year-old to do that. My seven-year-old needs to learn to manage money and keep her hand out of my billfold, but, but she's just where she is. But when you grow up a little bit and you become responsible, guess what? It's the same thing in, in the Christian life, that we're to be productive. We're to be making a difference in the world. We're to be people that God can trust. Look at it in the New Testament, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And again, I'm talking about you committing to spiritual growth and maturity. Paul said, I, I brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. This is interesting. Now, they're Christians, but he said, I couldn't talk to you as spiritually mature people, but as people of the flesh. And then what he say? As infants in Christ. 
Now, in, in John's epistle, John talked about children, young men, and fathers, almost this same spiritual progression. But he said, I couldn't talk to you. I had to talk to you like babies as Christians. First Peter 2, 2 says, and again, he's likening Christians as what? Newborn babies. Newborn babies, you're to crave pure spiritual milk so that you may what? Grow up in your salvation. And later on, they would talk about the meat of the word, how a baby wouldn't eat meat, a baby eats milk. Now, so the point is this. All of us are somewhere spiritually, just like all of us are somewhere educationally. Some of us may be here today, and you're in junior high, and some may be in high school, and some may be in college, and some may be in graduate school. Uh, some of us may have stopped at some level along the way in terms of our formal education, but we want to continue growing as Christians, even if it's not in a formal setting. You see, salvation is the starting place, but God wants us to grow up. And here's something very, very, uh, very true, is the length of time you have been a Christian is not the same as how mature you are. I know people that have walked with Jesus 18 months, and they have more maturity than somebody that's walked with God 25 years. It's like there's still a spiritual baby in pull-ups. Now, I want to suggest to you that there's people in this room today that are infants in Christ. I'm going to do it. You pray for me. And it's like they get up every day. They come to church, and they complain because how long the service is, and and it's too cold, and it's too hot, and, and why don't they have, you know, why don't they have more, more young people in the worship team? I wish they had more older people, and I wish they sing more hymns, and, and, and I, 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 I just wish he would quit using the, 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 the New International Version, because that's the devil's version. Why didn't he use the King James Version? And, and I, I, that whole mission stuff, I'm not going on a missions trip. I mean, why do I need to go on a missions trip? It takes away from my vacation time. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to have fun on my vacation. I'm not going to go to Thailand. And why would I give money at the church? I give my $2. I mean, this whole tithing thing, I mean, everybody knows it. That's the Old Testament. That's not the New Testament. And look, if I want to talk about the preacher, I, it just means that I'm going to talk to some. Did you know what that preacher said? I just want to tell you this because I want you to pray for him. But I want to tell you what. And did you know that they didn't even have my birthday in that bulletin? Well, well, really? Yeah. Well, did you ever tell them? Well, no, I didn't tell them, but they're just supposed to know. They're supposed to care enough about me that they would ask me when I hadn't filled that thing out. I say this cynically, but truthfully, don't you dare put this on Facebook. There are Christians. You're going to hell. You, you. It makes preachers more like politicians and cruise directors, I'm telling you. Most churches in America today just hope people come back next week. And most churches are competing like Burger King and, 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 uh, and McDonald's, I'm telling you now. And it's because people are wearing diapers. Isn't it time to grow up in Christ? Come on, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. When, uh, our church has lots of ways to help you grow spiritually. These journey classes on Wednesday night, <laughs> discipleship relationships in life groups, Bible studies. We've got an online video library. 
Uh, and if you hadn't, don't know how to access it, call the office. But I, I, I tell you what, uh, there are thousands and thousands of Christian teaching series that you can just download on your phone or your car and listen to in your car. We've got lots of ways to grow. And I'm going to close with this thought. Um, when I graduated seminary, a speaker said, you might stop taking classes, but you never stop growing. You may stop taking classes, but you never stop growing spiritually. Uh, a scripture from Paul about not being lazy spiritually. Paul the Apostle said this in Philippians 3. He said, I don't claim that I have already become perfect, but I keep striving to win the prize. Now, mind you, this is a guy that has been, <laughs> been stoned and beaten for Christ. and He's made three trips through the Mediterranean world, planting churches everywhere. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, he is the saint of saints, but he said, I haven't arrived yet. One thing I do, verse 13, I forget what's behind me and I do my best to reach what is ahead. Can you say that? I do my best to reach what is ahead. I run towards the goal to win the prize, which God's called through Christ Jesus to the life above. Well, next week I'm going to continue this about connecting with friends because here's what I know. The right Christian people will help me do this in my Christian life. And I'm going to tell you how to find them next week. And Of course, I, this Wednesday night, this preacher we're having, Jeff Wickwire, uh, he, he's been in church in the rock longer than me. This is the, uh, and I'll say this in all sincerity, he's the best preacher that I know in my little circle world. This guy came from the streets, drugs and all that, and he's earned a, a, a legitimate doctorate, doctorate degree. He has a church, three or 4,000 members in Fort Worth. It'd be worth your time on Wednesday night. But I'm going to close with this thought. You remember earlier when I talked about uh, Jesus is the way that we know God and God's desire is to know us? And stay with me on this last thought now. God's desire is to know us. He wants us to know Him. Well, Jesus is the door to knowing God. Listen to what he said. It's John chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus teaching the disciples. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the, the door of the sheep. What did he mean? He went on to say, If anyone enters by me, he'll be what? Saved and go in and find pasture. Now, what did he mean? In their day, they were an agrarian society. Sheep were everywhere. They used the wool. They would eat the mutton. Um, it was very important, sheep and goats. Yet shepherds were just a normative job. Well, in the evening time, they would take these sheep that had been grazing all day and they would put them in an enclosed structure. If you can imagine a room, for example, maybe it's as big as our cafe. And uh, it, it's surrounded by a stone wall. And inside this stone wall, maybe four, five, six different shepherds bring their sheep inside at night to protect them from the wolves and things. So you've got, let's say, maybe, maybe 150 sheep in there. Well, it's morning time. The shepherd comes to the door. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the door. And he stands at the door, and he calls the sheep. And not all 150 come, only his 40, because they what? Know his voice. When I was a boy, we raised uh, cows, and we had lots of pasture and woods and we had this particular sound that we would make to call those cows through the woods. And we'd stop the truck, and we'd kind of yodel at them a couple times, and those big old Angus cows would come running through the woods because they knew there was a treat coming. But Jesus basically said, look, I want to call you out of the pen, which is a picture of the world, and I want to call you to find fresh pasture. And the fresh pasture, the place to go, is a picture of heaven. But you got to go through me because Jesus said, I am the door, and I'm the door to eternal life. Here's why. 
Jesus made a pretty incredible statement when Jesus said, I am the definitive article, the way, the truth, the life. No man, exclusive, comes to the Father but by me. And that doesn't mean that other religions don't teach good things. But the problem is they don't deal with sin the way that God requires. I want you to imagine if, uh, let's, say, uh, let's say if Blake took me out to lunch today. I'm just teasing. Blake's a good friend for many, many years. Used to be our drummer a long time ago. Let's say Blake was going to take me to lunch, and we, he said, order whatever you want, Pastor. So we get crab legs and whatever we get, and, you know, somehow he spends a bunch of money between us. And he goes to the counter, and he pulls out pesos to pay. Do you think that's going to work? No, he and I will be washing dishes. Because we tried to pay the price with something that wouldn't work. And that's what all other religions do, because... Jesus was God's perfect sacrifice that died in our place so we wouldn't have to pay the penalty of our sins. Jesus took our sins. Well, I'd kind of heard that as a boy in the Methodist church, but what I didn't hear and what I didn't know is that I needed to receive Christ as my Savior. See, the Bible says, as many as received Him, to those He gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. That was foreign to me. I knew a God. You see, I knew about God. If I was in trouble, I would send up a 911 prayer. When trouble was over, I'd put him back. I'd try to be better on Sunday, and, and, and that simply meant on Communion Sunday, I'd try to be nice to my sister, and I figured that was getting me to heaven, and it lasted about an hour. I didn't know that literally, to go through that door, I had to come to Christ and say, Lord, can I come through through you? I believe in you. I need your forgiveness. And here's the big thing. I want to commit my life to you. I don't want to stay in the pen anymore. I don't want to live the way that I used to live. There's some sheep in there that are hurting me, that are tearing me down, that are pulling me in the wrong way. Jesus, you've got good pasture for me, but I need to turn and follow you. That's what it means to be saved, to be born again, to receive Christ's forgiveness and commit your life to follow him. And I wonder if that may be the great need of your heart today. It was of mine. It's the day that I stopped knowing about God and the day I began to know him when I came to him for forgiveness and committed my life to follow him out that door. And if that's you this morning, I'd be honored to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to give you something that's going to help you live the Christian life. This is not an invitation to join this church. This is an invitation. I'm the messenger to point you to the Christ of the cross because Jesus loves you so much that he came to this earth. He emptied himself of his divinity so that he could make a way so you and I could live with him for all eternity. Maybe you're here today and you've never done this. Or, or maybe you're here today and, and you've walked with Christ at one time, but you just kind of got away from Him. But coming here today, you realize your need to get back on track with God, to let the other stuff go and begin to follow Jesus Christ. Either one, this is your moment. If you're here today and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get my life right with God today. I need His forgiveness. I want to commit my life to follow Him. I want you to just lift your hand real high. Lift it real high this morning and say, pray for me, Pastor. God bless you, buddy. God bless you. Others today say, pray for me. I want, to, I want to commit my life to Christ. Pray for me this morning, Pastor. I want to commit. God bless you, too, in the back. Give her a big hand back there. God bless you, dear. Somebody else say, pray for me. I need to give my life to Christ. I am just the messenger today. Jesus is your Savior. I need to give my life. I need to get back on track with Christ. Let's do this. You two that lifted your hands, why don't you come up right now? We want to pray for you and give you something. Come on, give them a big hand. Come on up and let us pray for you. Bring your friend with you right now. God bless you, buddy. 
Come on, dear. Come on up. Let us pray for you. Bring your friend with you. We want to pray for you, give you something to help you in your Christian life. Others, if you need to come, come on with them right now. People committing their lives to Christ. People turning to the Savior, receiving Christ as their Lord. Every step to Christ is always a good step. Come on, dear. Come on, dear. God bless them, too. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Why don't you just go right over to the cross? We've got several people that are going to meet you there. I want a friend for each of them, and they're going to pray for you. It's the best decision you've ever made. We're going to close the service this way with a song. I want you to stand to your feet with me. And as we sing this song, if you need prayer for one closing prayer, personal prayer, let us pray for you. If you missed it earlier for whatever reason, but you need prayer before you go, a uh, young lady that just walked up asked for prayer for her husband. He was in a serious accident and uh, almost killed him. And now he's going through such extensive rehab. And uh, he's trying to, he can't talk, he can't do anything, but he's coming back to life. He needs prayer. But if you need prayer, anyone else will pray. But here's what I find. In every message, something's touched in people's lives. And the message invokes prayer. Maybe you're here, and when I talked about that 15 minutes a day, you've just never been a disciplined person. Or maybe you just don't like to read or whatever. How many know we can get over that? This is something that can be helped, but a good step would be is for you to pray with somebody. And here's a real big one. Maybe you're here today and you've been hurt in church. I know I have. And it's hard to make that commitment. It's much easier just to come and listen and, and, and leave. But, but it's hard to make the commitment. But listen, you need the body and the body needs you. Maybe you want to pray over that and just kind of turn that thing over to God. But anything it might be, we'll pray. But I want everyone else during this last song of worship, I want you to make your own commitment to the Lord about what you heard today. You're not going to get closer to God and grow spiritually if you're not spending 15 minutes a day. Maybe you need to talk to God about that. Weekend worship service, being consistent, and finding a pathway of spiritual growth, something you can do to grow spiritually. You talk to God about that. They're going to go ahead and begin to, to worship. Our prayer team is going to come to the front right now for one last prayer. Come on up, guys, to pray for people. And if you want prayer for anything as we close the service, you come this evening, this morning. We'd be honored to pray with you today. The Lord is here, and He cares, and prayer works. I love you very much.